What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Up in Flames. It's been a minute, but I'm back. You know, had a lot of things going on, had a lot of things to figure out, right? Had to take a little break. Football season was over. We're getting into the height of everything NBA, college basketball. It is March, so we now know we are on, you know, March Madness is coming up on us. The conference tournaments are coming. Uh, obviously, it, it, it's a big time for basketball, right? So it was only right for me to come back right after couple weeks, haven't posted an episode, haven't really done too much. Just had some things to figure out. Had a lot going on in life. But without further ado, Up in Flames will be back right after this. Warning. You are now listening to Up in Flames. We up in Flames, yeah. We up in Flames, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. We up in flames, we up in flames, yeah, we up in flames, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 we up in flames, yeah, yeah, uh, we up in flames, hold on, uh, check this go. We up in flames, yeah, uh, we up in, uh, yeah, yeah, we up in flames, yeah, Woo. We up in, uh, yeah, we up in flames, we up in flames. Once again, we are back. I appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening, whether you're listening to the podcast, whether you're listening here on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel, or whether you're checking out this show live. Once again, I do appreciate you. Appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening. But like I said, it's been a minute, been a couple weeks. I had to take a little break. Uh, the NFL playoffs, doing shows almost every day. Super Bowl week was doing shows almost every day. Had some personal things, some adjustments to get into uh, as far as life goes. You know how that goes you know, uh, getting a new schedule and things like that. So without further ado, Up in Flames is back. And we're talking all things NBA, right? It is the month of March. Like I said, March Madness is coming up. The conference tournaments are upon us. They'll be here in about a week or so, uh, depending on when you're listening to this. And so now is the time. This is the height of basketball. The NBA teams are fighting for seeding. The MVP race is getting, you know, really tight. Guys are entering, rising up. Falling down the MVP ladder, so a whole bunch of things to get into. But the first thing I'm going to talk about, and I feel like you have to, as much as it gets tiresome of talking about a bad team, we're going to talk about the L.A. Lakers. Uh, surprisingly, you know, they've been one of the worst products to actually watch on the court this year. And we have, you know, you want to blame Frank Vogel. You want to blame Russell Westbrook. You want to blame, you know, LeGM, LeMickey, LeBron James, whatever y'all want to call them. Uh, you know, one of the greatest players of this generation, of any generation, he is one of the greatest players of all time where you have him on your all-time list is an argument for another day. But, you know, it's the Lakers have just been bad. And I watched them. I'm a fan of LeBron James. I am a Miami Heat fan, obviously, for those of y'all that know and have been listening for as long as you've been listening. But I'm a fan of LeBron James, so it's tough. We talk about the Lakers. They get so, so, so much airtime, right? Like, they get so many national TV games because of the brands. We're seeing the Knicks a lot, and they're a poor product as well. But the Lakers, they get so much TV time, and it's almost like there's so many, there's, there's some better matchups. Let's see the younger product. Let's get some more Minnesota national TV games. And the Lakers have just been bad. They haven't been able to figure it out with Russell Westbrook. Uh, with LeBron James. Obviously, Anthony Davis has been in and out. He's out again. Hopefully, he'll be back before the playoffs. But will it really even matter is the question because 
they're a play-in team. They're locked in the play-in. If it, I mean, they could fall out of the play-in. That's the possibility. But they're locked in no better than a play-in team. And so essentially when you look at the projection of, of the Western Conference Finals or Western Conference standings, you got they're going to match up with one of three teams, more so one of two, but possibly one of three teams of Memphis, Golden State, or Phoenix. And even the Lakers fully healthy. There's not been a time on the court where they've showed us that they could really even hang with them in a seven-game series, right? Like, that that's essentially kind of what we have seen. They're not going to be able to beat them. They, they'd be lucky to even get to five. I think that's a clean sweep, you know, if, if they play the Warriors, if they play Phoenix, especially Chris Paul should be back by the playoffs. So it just, it, it gets, it's almost tiresome. We talk about the Lakers so much. You know, the GOAT debate has been ignited because of All-Star Weekend. There wasn't much to talk about on that Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday until the games came back Thursday. Uh, LeBron had said a mouthful over All-Star Weekend. Possibility of returning to Cleveland. It's not off the table. Obviously, he wants to play with Bronny. But I think if you just look at the Lakers, and even if you look at LeBron James, I, I want to get on the focus of LeBron James. Obviously, I don't know LeBron. I don't know anybody in his camp. But what I get from it, being a longtime LeBron James fan, is that I don't know if his focus is making his GOAT case based on championships. I don't even think, I think at this point, when it comes to the GOAT debate, is like either you think LeBron's the GOAT or you don't. You think Jordan's the GOAT or you don't. I don't really think there's anything LeBron can do, but I think in his mind, if he could be top 10 in assists, top 10 in rebounds, and the number one scorer in NBA history, he's already passed Kareem all time when it comes to regular season and postseason, but everybody's waiting till it's projected. If he averages, you know, based on his averages and how many games he'll play, he's projected to pass Kareem as an all-time scorer in the regular season next season. And I think that's kind of LeBron's focus. And it's not about, he's so focused on it that he's willing to lose to do it, but it almost seems like losing hasn't eaten LeBron up as much. I know his body language on the court kind of, says differently essentially like you see his body language he gets tired and, and I think that's the one problem with LeBron is you know when it comes to the young guys like that's why some young guys they their their best basketball could be playing alongside LeBron but sometimes the elevation of those guys when they leave is like you know it's tough to play alongside a guy where like damn like we're in a, we're in an era now where these young cats these 18 19 20 year olds like they grew up watching LeBron. They played ball because of watching LeBron and the excitement, like the Kobe's, the LeBron's, the Dwayne Wade's. Like those are the, they're the guys that these young cats look up to. And so when he shows his frustration, when he plays with his emotion, it kind of gets some of those guys down. So sometimes I think that could be the problem is that LeBron can be a little too emotional, but it doesn't take away from his greatness. Like we're still we we want to kill LeBron for putting the roster together, not trading for Buddy Hield. Uh, essentially, we. You know, apparently he had a word in that as far as getting Russell Westbrook. We knew it kind of would never work. Didn't think it would equal a championship. But when you think about it in LeBron's thought process, like one thing nobody's ever been able to do is win a championship with Russell Westbrook. Imagine if he was able to, you know, accomplish that feat. Now, doesn't seem realistic at this point. They seem like a first round exit if they make it through the play-in or if they make it to the play-in. They've been playing so bad lately that I think we even question whether they will actually make it to the play-in. But I mean, the Pelicans are two games behind them. Uh, Portland's two games behind them. So they could catch them. But I, I think the Lakers will start finding somewhat of a groove and winning some games, at least enough to keep that leader, even if it comes down late. At the end of the day, they do have LeBron James. We do expect Anthony Davis to come back. 
But it's just, it, it's been one of those, like, it's like mind boggling when I watch the Lakers, like, how are they this bad? Like a team with enough talent. Yes, they're old. We could pick apart while they're really this bad, but like a team with Russell Westbrook and LeBron James should at least be like a five or six seed. The Western conference is kind of down this year. Like outside of Golden State, Memphis and, and Phoenix, the Western Conference is so, so, I mean, Dallas is a good team. Denver's a good team based on injuries. They don't have Jamal Murray. They don't have Michael Porter Jr. So they're a good team. Those are good teams, not championship contending teams. And then, you know, we're about, we're about to get into one of, you know, we're about to get into my team. But you look over in the Eastern Conference, and whether you really agree that Chicago's that team or what, you got about five teams that, if they're fully healthy come playoff time, you really could see win a championship. And that's Brooklyn, Miami, Chicago, Philly. In Milwaukee, like those are the team, and then you got some tough outs. Like Charlotte has kind of been on a downfall lately, but like somebody's gonna have to play Cleveland. Cleveland's been playing great basketball. I don't expect them to just fall off the wayside. I expect those five teams to kind of take over in Cleveland, possibly drop to a six seed. But that's a tough first round matchup. Whoever has the third seed is gonna Miami or Philly or Milwaukee. And you're gonna have to match up with Cleveland. Like on a road to a championship, you don't duck smoke, but you want it to be as easy as possible so like being the one seed i want to play the eight seed, but that might not even be easy because brooklyn as of right now brooklyn's the eight seed forget the play-in as of right now i expect them to win the play-in they'll go to the playoffs but they're the eighth seed so that would be a tough out for miami like i don't even know if miami would beat brooklyn fully healthy but if ben simmons doesn't come back they don't play enough games together they could seem like a next year team like i think when kevin durant is fully healthy if he could play a full season uh, if they do bring back Kyrie, having Ben Simmons, a whole offseason camp and everything, they do seem like a very next-year team. But I want to talk about my Miami Heat. So the Miami Heat are the best team in the Eastern Conference as far as records go. When you watch them, you hesitate to really say, I don't know if they can beat Milwaukee. I don't know if they can beat Chicago the way Chicago's playing. I don't know if they can play with Brooklyn. Uh, and, and you don't know if they can play with Philly. And I'll answer why. If anybody's wondering, like, how can you not buy into what my they don't have a super star. Jimmy Butler is an all-star. He's a high caliber all-star player, but he's not a superstar in my eyes. And neither is Bam Adebayo. Obviously, neither is Kyle Lowry. And so my biggest fear when I watch the Miami Heat is their offense. Like in the last 10 games, they are nine and one, but they are 15th in offensive efficiency in that stretch which goes to tell you that they are playing spectacular defense. Like Bam Adebayo, he may not win defensive player of the year because of he's missed, you know, X amount of games. He's missed probably too much to make that cut. But he's he's almost become an underrated defender. There's about, when it comes to betting odds, there's about six guys that have greater odds than Bam Adebayo. And all the numbers have said he's been a better defender than all of them. Like everybody ahead of him, he's been a better defender than all of them. He's a good on-ball defender. He's a good pick-and-roll switch defender. His percentages, his efficiency, his defensive rating has been better than all of those guys. But I think it, it factors that, you know, you have to take into account that he's probably missed too many games to really win a defensive player of the year award. So that's my concern with Miami, though, is as great as they are defensively, and the game does slow down in the playoffs. There's not all these, you have them, but there's not all these in a series 130 to 127. Like, you're not winning championships that way. Essentially, like, you do have to buckle down you do have to play defense, which is why, like, Phoenix is scary in the West. Golden State has been one of the top defensive teams in, in, in the Western Conference. So that's why they're scary, because you mix offense with defense, efficient on both ends of the floor. That tells you everything. And they have that star. Chris Paul, is he a superstar at this 
day and age, no, but he is an MVP when we talk about true most valuable player. He has the value of anybody else's best player. And you see it, you know, he's elevated Devin Booker. He's elevated DeAndre Ayton. So when I watch Miami, my biggest concern is the offense. At times, there's just so many times where I don't know if they're going to be able to score enough points to really win against these top teams. Like, they do it, and they beat these guys in regular season. They just beat Chicago, right? They're coming off of beating Chicago, taking sole possession in the first place in the Easter Conference. But that's like one game on a Wednesday night. There's so many factors in the regular season. You know, uh, some guys may sit out. It could be a back-to-back. They were traveling. They just play. Like, there's so many factors in a, a regular season to really take away from that Miami beating Chicago isn't, me saying, oh, yeah, we they definitely can't handle us. And they kind of dominated Chicago, but it's not, oh, they can't handle us in the playoffs. It's a lot different when you get two teams that are going to see each other possibly seven times and be able to make adjustments, home court advantage. There's so many factors in the playoffs. So I think Miami, could, they, could I see them going to the NBA Finals? Yes. Am I ready to commit and stamp down on that? No, I need to see more consistency on the offensive end. And I think it starts with Jimmy Butler. Like, Jimmy Buckets got his name Buckets, but he has to be that willing scorer. Like when all else fails and it becomes a great defensive game, like he has to be the guy. You got to put the ball in your hands. I don't need him to average 30 points a game, but I do need him to be that guy that he needs to make it happen, whether it's playmake for others or playmake for himself. And sometimes it seems like he gets lackadaisical at times. And especially because the Heat have so many ways of punching you in the mouth, scoring, Duncan Robinson could get hot, makes them hard to stop. Tyler Hero gets hot, makes them hard to stop. Kyle Lowry could get his. He got a 20-point night, makes them hard to stop. Obviously, Bam Adebayo could have a 20, 25, 30-point night, and it makes them hard to stop. But there's so many times that the offense goes through phases throughout the game. Like, midway through the second quarter for five minutes, they've only scored six points. Now, granted, they've held the team to 10, but when you play that well defensively and it comes down to sometimes it's not even about getting shots off. It's just about knocking down shots. And so when they go cold, I think when you look at Miami and you wouldn't want to commit just like myself, it comes down to not having that superstar. Like you would believe in Brooklyn simply because of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You would believe in Milwaukee simply because they're the reigning champs and Giannis onto the Kumpo. You going you buy what he's selling. You know he's a great player, and he showed you he can do it in the biggest moments on the road to winning a championship. And then you like the complimentary pieces of Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, uh, and the rest of that roster. When you watch Philly, we talk about James Harden. He might phase out towards the end of the playoffs, but like you know when it comes to it, especially in a matchup against Miami, like you know James Harden's going to be able to get his buckets. You know Joel Embiid, he's an MVP candidate. He might win the MVP this year, but you know he's a true superstar, arguably the best center in the game between him and Nikola Jokic. And so when you look at Miami, you're like, they have all-stars, you know, all-star caliber player and Bam Adebayo has made an all-star game previously. Uh, Jimmy Butler is a certified, bona fide all-star. Could be in an MVP conversation. We just held it to value because we see when Jimmy Butler's not there, it's not the same product, even though they've done a good enough job when, you know, Jimmy Butler missed a lot of time earlier in the season. But that's the problem with Miami. And that's where I get a little nervous is like as great as they play and as great as their game translates to the playoffs in those moments, in those tight games, you don't want to have to depend on a wide open shot hit by Tyler Hero. Like those moments are built for, that's where legacies are built. That's where Kevin Durant gets his all time respect from. That's where the Steph Curry's and LeBron James and the Michael Jordans. And I know Jimmy Butler is no Michael Jordan, but 
you don't have that. That's where Kyrie Irving hits the big shot. Like, you know, he hit that big shot against Golden State back in 2016. And so that's where the legacies are built. That's where the superstars separate themselves from the rest of the league. Giannis drops 50, you know, in, in an NBA Finals game. So that's that's what separates superstars from all-stars and high-caliber all-stars, which I consider Jimmy Butler. There's not as many superstars to me as you think. And so when you just you just need that guy to get his own bucket. So I'm wondering, can Jimmy Butler be the guy? Like, he has to be that guy. And this year is probably Miami's best shot. They're a little bit older. Guys are going to hold a lot more value. They get a lot of these undrafted guys on one-year deals and things like that. And, and they make them into true ball players. are able to pay them a little bit. And, and they'll keep them. And then they're so deep, they have to figure out a rotation we're waiting on Oladipo to come back. We're hoping he could come back healthy. Even 80% of what Oladipo was uh, pre-injury. But you don't have a solid rotation. You're 12, 13 deep. But you're not playing a 12, 13-man rotation in the playoffs. It's just not realistic. The rotations drop down. You're playing eight, nine guys maybe. That 10th guy might get a little bit of time depending on you know foul trouble and things like that. But you're not running in. You, you, you keep the star players in. You run with that eight, eight to nine man rotation. So when Oladipo comes back, he's going to have to get acclimated. You're going to be taking Gabe Vincent out. He's going to lose minutes. Uh, Max Strews going to lose minutes. Yurtsevin going to lose minutes. Uh, Deadman's going to come. He's come back from injury. So he's going to take some of those backup center minutes. Uh, Morris, he might be out for the season. He hasn't come back since the whole thing with him and Jokic. But like, where does he fit? Especially in the playoffs, you have a vet, a guy who can put his butt down and play defense, but you also have P.J. Tucker as well. And Morris can hit the three. Is he a great three-point shooter? No. So there's so many questions that Miami has to figure it out. And if there is a coach that I know will figure it out, it would be Coach Spo. But it's going to be a tough road and not necessarily being able to outscore. Like really just if defense is out the window and we just put up enough points, put up 125, 130, I don't know if Miami can do that or play that kind of basketball that's out of their element. So I think they're a team, if they do get taken out of their element, which is tough to do when there's, they are so great defensively, but if they do get taken out of their element, I, I don't like their chances of reaching the finals. They could play with anybody, but they could lose to anybody, especially anybody that's in their way, which is Philly, which is Brooklyn, which is Milwaukee, and, and even Chicago. And I want to talk about Chicago a little bit, right? We're not buying. I think they're like, two and 10 against the, the top four seeds in the Eastern conference. They don't have a great record against the top teams in the league, like the top eight teams in the league. They have a very bad record. So a comparison, and obviously I know this very well, they're almost like the Dallas Cowboys this year. Like the Dallas Cowboys, they beat up on all the bad teams. And because you're going to play enough bad teams or enough teams that you're better than, you will have a great record. And they're playing great basketball. Don't get me wrong. DeMar DeRozan is an MVP candidate. Him and Zach Levine have been one of the top three best backcourts uh, in the NBA this year. Obviously, Lonzo will be coming back from injury uh, before the playoffs, which is going to make a huge difference in the product for Chicago, especially defensively. And I almost like Vucevic plays his role, but he, he was never a role player until he got to Chicago. So I think it's taken him a lot longer as well as he's played. He's done what he's needed to do. But I think Chicago needs to figure out a way for one or two games in each series, however far they get, where you really unlock Vucevic. This was a guy who, in Orlando, yes, for a bad team, you adjust when you're playing winning basketball. But for a bad, like, he was scoring 30. He was an all-star in Orlando when they were bottom of the barrel. So he does have that ability. He can stretch the floor. He can shoot the ball. Is he a ball-handling big man? Is he a great 
great passing big man? No, but there's got to be a way where you figure out how to really unlock Vucevic at least one to two games a series. And then obviously DeMar DeRozan is playing like an MVP candidate. He went through a stretch, but it's so crazy because you come back off all-star break. The first two games out all-star break, he continues his streak of scoring, you know, at least 30 points a game with over 50% shooting, breaking records. Any type of record you break that's in Bulls franchise history is probably Michael Jordan's record that he owned. So therefore, like any type of, especially when it comes to scoring the ball, any type of scoring records that you break, you got to be acknowledged. He put himself right in the MVP conversation. And then he had two games, bad shooting percentages, still scored almost 30 against the Miami Heat, but he was like eight of 27 from the field. So it became less efficient. And just like that, like John Morant comes with a 47 point game, a 52 point game. And he ignites himself where he probably jumped DeMar DeRozan. Joel Embiid has played absolutely amazing playing alongside James Harden. He picked up where he left off. Nikola Jokic is obviously an amazing talent. And Giannis, who's been the most slept on MVP candidate. And I think he's going to start getting that LeBron James treatment or even like the Michael Jordan treatment where you get so tired of the same guy really being the MVP that you start finding, well, Joel Embiid's playing absolutely amazing. He's healthy this year. You start picking apart and finding reasons why he's not the MVP instead of really giving him a, his flowers and awarding him. It's, it's like, you know, I get a little off track doing this solo, but when I look at Chicago, I do believe in the Chicago Bulls and probably a lot more than everybody else for everything that I said on why you win it. They don't beat the good teams. They, they're the Dallas Cowboys in the NBA where you put enough bad teams in front of them, they're going to have a great record. They have enough good to great players that they're going to look like everything you need in a championship team, but they're just going to fall short because it might fall apart. And I think how Lonzo Ball is when he comes back is going to be the key for the Chicago Bulls because not only are they lack defensively, Lonzo Ball is a great defensive point guard. And so they're going to fix the area there and they're going to have, they're going to be able to take the ball out of DeMar DeRosa, kind of save him heading into the playoffs a little less and let Lonzo play make. He doesn't need to come in and score 30 points a game. That's not his game. But he can run the offense. He can get the looks. And you can also stagger Alonzo Ball. So when DeMar DeRozan does go out, you could keep Lonzo Ball in there alongside Kobe White. You got a point guard who can run the offense. You got Kobe White. He's not a great points guard as far as it comes running the offense. But he can get his own bucket. And he can't facilitate enough to keep the offense flowing when those guys come out. But you can also stagger DeMar DeRozan and Alonzo Ball's minutes, and I think that's going to be very, very important for the Chicago Bulls in the playoffs. It's going to be all about can you stagger their minutes? Can you figure out how I can – because DeMar DeRozan makes plays. He, he's a playmaker as well. He did it in San Antonio. He did it in Toronto. Like He's a very underrated playmaker when it comes to actually running an offense. Some guys look at playmakers, well, he gets his own bucket. That's not – He's a, that's a – self-playmaker, but he can make plays for other players. He gets Zach Levine open. He get Vucevic. You can run a pick and roll with him and Vucevic. Like, he's deadly enough to make those moves and make some of that stuff happen. So, I don't know if Chicago will win the championship. I mean, I'm not in the point of the NBA season where I'm making my championship predictions, but I do think they're a contender right along with Philly, Brooklyn, Miami, and Milwaukee. And I alluded to you know, I want to talk about Milwaukee. I want to give a lot of flowers to the Easter Conference because they've kind of been the inferior conference for so long. To see them be so deep, where a team like the Knicks is not even in the playoffs, they're not even in the play-in right now. Team like Atlanta, who just reached the Easter Conference Finals, is having a tough time staying afloat at that. They're right under 500. And it's because of how deep the Eastern Conference is. And you look at Milwaukee and you look at Giannis, 
Giannis is leading the league. He might win the scoring title this year. And it's going so unnoticed. His game is, I don't want to say boring because it's not. Like, what he does is great. You have to know what you're looking at to appreciate greatness. So, I'm not saying his game is boring, but people want to see the flashy stuff. They love John Morant. And we're in today's age, what's new, what's next? And you, as soon as you see what's in now, you want to know what's next. And so you you already see Giannis is in now. He, he's a living legend. He's going to go down as an all-time great. Probably a top 20 player already based on his resume. He can retire today. He's probably a top 20. He's probably going to be the greatest power forward of all time when it's all said and done. And he'll probably ease his way into the top 10. Who knows? Maybe he puts himself in the goal argument. That's how great he's been. But it's been going unnoticed, or I won't say unnoticed, underappreciated by especially the casual basketball fans because he's in now and they're already looking at what's next and you're watching Anthony Edwards and you're watching John Morant and you're seeing all the young, young, young guys, even though Giannis is beginning of his prime right now, he's already dominated so quickly that it's old news. We're used to this. And that's what happens when you get used to things. What's going to excite me next? And so everything that Giannis does has essentially gone unnoticed. And then speaking of Giannis, I got it. This one frustrates me, right? I got to get my frustration out on this. So Charles Oakley, Charles Oakley, got to be one of the biggest haters, especially, and this is my problem. This is where my frustration comes in. So let me vent for a second. Charles Oakley is why I can't stand the OGs sometimes. I got nothing but love for all my OGs in my life, from pops to uncles to, to all the cats that helped raise me as well, like, to all the OGs that put me on game throughout life. I got love for all of them. And some of the OGs on the test, here's my problem. Charles Oakley is what's wrong with some of the OGs and also what's wrong with why some of the younger generation is how they are in basketball, in life, in everything. Because here's the thing. It comes off as hating. You come out and you tell me, Giannis, one of the most dominant players we've seen in a long time, or... And I say one of because we've seen a lot, a, a nice amount where he goes to one of, but it's been at an all time great level that he's been dominating. And not only do you, I hate taking the new guys and they always want to say what they would do in their era. We played so rough. We played so tough. They wouldn't last. But to not only say that, I don't think I would respect if he's like, I don't know if Giannis would be a top five player in our era. I don't know if he'd be top 10. I'm not here to argue that. I do think he would. But that's not what we're arguing. I would be okay with that. Like, all right, he's great, but I think we would, you know, uh, humble him down a notch, right? But no, you come out and say he would be a bench player. Giannis would be a bench player back in the 80s and 90s during Charles Oakley's era. And he always, he's a guy, he's one of, he's not the voice of the OGs, right? But I've heard a lot of this talk from guys in their 40s and 50s. Every time I talk to him, late 30s, it's, it's always, y'all, this new generation is soft. Y'all y'all don't have it the hard way and this and that, but it comes off as hating, bro. Like, you make it a point to jump on these podcasts and you want to talk about this dude wouldn't be this, this dude wouldn't be that. And I seen one the other day where he's like, I knew a year before LeBron announced that he was going to Miami, that LeBron was going to Miami. And that just, I tweeted it out. And, and, and I think people agree. He just get on here and he be lying. He just be talking. Like, he fell out of relevancy. So he has to say these bold statements that get people to talk about it on, on ESPN. Like, he has these mainstream hot takes, right, that, that get talked about for the next few days. So he's creating content. 
I almost think like ESPN is paying him under the table to be like, hey, bro, get on all the smoke. Get on JJ Reddick podcast. Get on all these other shows and say this. Ignite ignite the flame. We're running out of a little bit of content. Now we're having to break down the game too much. We're, we're having too much Kendrick Perkins on TV actually spitting basketball knowledge, and we're not having enough takes for Stephen A to just go on his rants and go crazy and be entertaining. And so I think, I really think that's how business is run. And I'm not accusing ESPN of actually doing that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that comes out because he came to say that Giannis would be a bench player, a guy, a seven footer who is one of the most, he's the Greek freak. He is freakishly athletic playing in a time where he would be one of the most athletic players on that court in the eighties and nineties, very few. And I mean, the list would be small on who would be more athletic than Giannis Jordan, obviously athletic wise. I wouldn't say Hakeem, but when it comes to mind, like skill wise, Hakeem's footwork was second to none. Like it, it was, you know, I know everybody talks about it. I hear people who were able to watch it live and like his footwork was second to none. So I could see, those, that type of group, young Shaq in the 90s for the Orlando Magic, like you've never seen a guy that big, that size moving like that. But then you would have Giannis. Giannis would run circles around Charles Oakley. And here's what Charles Oakley would do. This was where, well, our era was more tougher. Like you're not coming through. The, no, you just, you're going to play dirty. Charles Oakley was known to get frustrated and play dirty. Those some cheap shots. Okay, but Giannis isn't a weak guy. I'm not saying he puts his back to the basket, just dominates Charles Oakley. I'm not disrespect Charles Oakley like he wasn't a good player, like he wasn't a strong guy down there in the paint. But Giannis would run circles around a guy like that. But that's what the OGs do. They, they just pitch. They, they're soft. When these guys now are more talented, and one thing you don't hear, you don't hear the young cats of the league. You've never heard John Morant say Isaiah Thomas wouldn't arguably be the greatest point guard if he played in this era. You don't hear the young cats come at Magic Johnson. You don't hear the young cats come at Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, even Shaq. Like, they, it's all respect because it's like you, you kind of raised on respect. You respect the OGs. You respect the greatness that came before you because they set the tone in order for you to be great in, in this lane. But it gets to a point where it's like, y'all be hating on these cats. Like, why not just appreciate their greatness? Let them be great in their era. Let your era be yours. Let theirs be theirs. And just let everybody be great. But they don't want to do that. They want to make it a point. And Charles Oakley has been a victim of it as of late. You know, as far as getting on these platforms and really just dogging the new guys. Like, the difference between today's league and yesteryear's league, they were built on athleticism and toughness but now in today's league they're bigger faster stronger and more talented and it's not oh i'm not saying every guy is michael jordan don't listen to me and try and dive deep and, and bring out a take of me saying something like that but the overall like your your average nba player in today's league is more talented than your average player in the 80s and the 90s the greats would be great in any era you're not gonna tell me i'm not gonna go and say Jordan wouldn't be Michael Jordan in today's league. Probably be greater. Magic wouldn't be Magic in today's league. Probably be greater. At least just as great. I don't believe Jordan will be greater because if you consider him the GOAT, what's greater than that? Like, if he's the best player of all time, maybe his numbers would be better, but greatness, numbers, like, what's 
greater than the greatest of all time. Like, so that's where I say, like, I don't know if he'd be greater, but he'd be just as great, probably a little bit better. His numbers would be a little bit higher, but I even think like he'd have more assists. I think he'd average one to two more points a game, average about 34, 35, but I think he'd average about six, seven, eight assists. I think you lean on guys who are your primary ball handlers, your primary scores to be able to facilitate a little more. It's not that Jordan couldn't, it's just that Jordan wouldn't because couldn't nobody stop him from scoring. And everybody loved points. And when you're doing it and you win in championships, that's the winning formula. But it's just because you, these young cats, they really don't hate on these old dudes. They don't even have these old dudes. And then it's like some of these OGs, every chance they get, they, they shit on the young generation. Like, that's just what they do. Why was it even relevant to say that Giannis would not, he would be a bench player? That's what we talking about, a bench Player like this dude wouldn't even play back in the day. We're talking about one of the all-time great players, you know, top 20, top 25-ish, top 30, whatever. Like, if we're going to keep going. But even the top 30 is one of the greatest players you've ever seen, especially when you're counting all eras dating back to the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s. So a top 20 player, I'm going to go top 20. Giannis is top 25. We're going to stick there. A top 25 player would go in another era, and he would be a bench player. There's not a single... Top 25 player that I think would play in another era ahead or behind and would be a bench player in that era. That is a different type of disrespect. That is a different type of disrespect. And for you to not be an all-time great and come out and disrespect a dude that is an all-time great, a dude that is better than you, for you not to be an all-time great, that's just disrespectful. And, and it's like, for what? You, you want to be back relevant again? Like, that's so you know Charles Oakley going to release a book. Like, that's what they do. They get their name back relevant, then they sell a book. You saw when Scottie Pippen went off the walls talking about Michael Jordan, and he releases a book. Got to get my name out there. Got to get everybody buzzing, talking. Got to get my product bought. But that's what they do. Like, they'll sell out to sell. Like, they will sell out to sell out, if that makes sense. You, you guys, with, with hearing my rant, you get what I'm getting. They will sell out the guys they're supposed to pick up, help raise. You know what I'm saying? Be, be, don't kick them while they down, even though Giannis ain't down. But I'm saying, you, you, you know, you are OG. Like, they look up to you with respect. So when you down them, how are they supposed to respect you? Like, and it always comes with the respect your elders thing. But, like, they will sell out these cats. They'll sell out their own people to sell out their product. And we've seen it. Scottie Pippen did it. Whether you agree or disagree with what he said, he sold out his own people. The people he went to war with to sell out his product. He wanted to sell out his book. So it just get a little tiresome sometimes, you know, when, when guys like Charles Oakley do that and, and hate on these young cats and don't let this generation be great. And they, it's always got to be a comparison. Who is this guy compared to? Like, why can't we just appreciate greatness? Because... That's something that gets lost. And then we do it with Jordan and LeBron and Kobe and Magic and Kareem. Like, we want to talk about who's the GOAT and you down one guy to pick up another guy instead of just appreciate he's great, he's great, he's great. Where they fall doesn't matter. If you're top 10 players, you're still one of the greatest players we've ever seen. If you're top five players, you're still one of the greatest players we've ever seen. you third or fifth, the gap between the third best player and the fifth best player is probably a flip of a coin, to be honest. You can make an argument for all those cats. So it's not even saying that a guy is two and another guy is six. The gap between two and six, we're talking about all-time great players, isn't really, isn't really that big at all. So before we close out, I just want to talk about, you know, uh, one more thing, and it's giving flowers. Nothing major. 
Not going to break down the game at all or anything like that. It's just about giving flowers. So I want to give my flowers to my guy, Zach Ramey, at the Off the Glass podcast. He does his thing. Consistency. You know, drop an episode every Monday. Shout out to my guy, Zach. Salute to you. Salute to the folks. Daniel Artest and all them boys over there at 265 Media putting in that work. My dog, K-Dot, then jumping in the WNBA space and ain't looked back. You know what I'm saying? My dog eating over there. So I got to give a shout out to him. Uh, shout out to all my guys at the Off the Ball Network. My brother, Chris, you know, the Prez, the guy who, the man with the plan who makes it happen, the Hoopers, putting out great content all the time. Uh, you know, Walker, anybody who's jumped on the show, I definitely got to show y'all love. Walker, Jerk, Rob, Couch Coach. Uh, you know, I just want to give my flowers. Like, I want to let everybody know I see you. I appreciate you. My guy, Max Van Auken from the MVP podcast, he's going to be here on Up in Flames next episode. He does his thing. He does, you know, a podcast for Orlando Magic. He's covering the Orlando Magic. He's at these NBA games. He's interviewing these all-time great players. Like, shout out to my guy, Max. You know, I just, I got to give a shout out. I got to show love to everybody. If I didn't forget your name, you fall into those groups. You've been on my show. I appreciate you. You tune into my show. I appreciate you. Shout out to my family. Everybody, you know, that supported from beginning till now. Uh, things have gotten a lot better. Things have come a long way. And the best is yet to come. So I appreciate everybody for riding in my corner. And I got to give a shout out to the wife. Like, I got to give a shout out to the wife. I love the kids. Got to give a shout out to the wife. She's held it down. Uh, she's put her head down. She's in a space where she's a little stressed out because she's grinding. But you got to appreciate that, right? Like, she does what needs to be done for the family. She goes to work. She's going to school. She's taking care of the kids. She's holding it down. She's cooking. You got you to gotta let people know how much you appreciate it. And so, you know... The wife, if you're listening, if you happen to be listening, I appreciate you. I love you. So I just got to give my flowers to everybody, man. I love y'all. Keep tuning in. Other Flames, I promise you, it's going to be back consistent. I just had a lot of things on my mind, a lot of things going on this past couple of weeks. But I appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening. Uh, make sure you go subscribe to upperflamespod.substack.com. Uh, that subscription will help put a five-star review on Apple, on Spotify, Anywhere you can put a review, anywhere you listen to this podcast. And if you're listening live, I also appreciate you. I got to give you your flowers too. If you are watching this, you know, the video version, you know, to give you your flowers, wherever you at in life, keep going. You know, just when you think you hit the bottom, just when you think things aren't working out, you got to keep going. And then keep going after that. If, if you're at the bottom of the pits and, and things seem real dark, the light is always when you look up. And the only way to look up is to keep pushing and keep moving forward. There's going to be a lot of obstacles that's going to knock you on your ass. It's going to happen. That's where the fall nine times get back up 10. When you fall and when you fail, just know it's just a hurdle that you got to jump. You can knock a hurdle down and you can pick it back up. When it's all nothing but darkness around you, look up because anytime you're down, you look up, there's light. So keep moving forward. Keep pushing to that light. Once again, I appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening. Up in Flames is 